Welcome to Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Welcome to Military Network Radio. We are so glad to welcome three wonderful guests this morning. We're going to be talking about horses and healing after combat trauma and helping families and veterans really achieve wholeness holistically. And we've talked a lot about complementary and alternative therapies on our program. And today we're going to be talking to Beth Rand, Derek Knapp, and Michael uh, Richardson. I've got to get these names right. So I would love to welcome you all to Military Network Radio, and we're very much looking forward to talking about this today. Welcome. Thank Thank you, you, Linda. You are so welcome. Now, Beth, I know you have to leave us a little bit early, so I think I'll start with you, and we will talk about what you and I spoke about on the phone. We were talking about the fact that there is such a healing and, and Uh, restorative power to horses, large animals, communication, connection with these animals. And you are executive director of the Joyful Horse Project. And maybe you can tell us just a little bit about the background on that and then a bit about this new restoration ranch that you're working on. You bet, Linda. Thank you for having us on. And we're delighted to be here to share a little bit about what we're doing at the Joyful Horse Project and Restoration Ranch. Um, We are a nonprofit equine welfare organization and our mission is really threefold, but it starts with the rehabilitation of horses that have been in traumatic situations, whether it's abuse, neglect, you know, slaughter, whatever the situation is with the horse. That's our primary focus focus is uh, helping those horses heal. And we do it in a very holistic way. We have body workers, we have um, homeopathic remedies, we have natural pasture lands for them, a really good stable herd environment for these horses. And as I'm talking, you can probably see immediately that all of those things have their human counterparts. And so in starting Restoration Ranch, we had to make sure that we had a place that would sustain the horses, would have the natural pasture lands and the um, community of horses that would give each of these animals a a good environment to be in. And from there, we... Um, we get the veterans involved. Once the horses have kind of passed their primary rehab, we have a group of uh, veterans who are actually, uh, Derek Knapp is on the call. He's our. Right. We'll bring him in, in a, in a, in a little bit, but can you talk about the connection between rescuing horses and restoring veterans and families? Yes, ma'am. Well, as, you know, the veterans and their family members are 
a community in and of themselves. It's interesting because many of the veterans that we work with have told us that, you know, they want a place where they can come, where they can be around people who've had similar experiences to them and that they can give back to their community. And so all of us need meaningful work. That's one of the things that really um, makes a difference in people's lives. And it's true for the horses as well. So as you see, our and all of the work that we do with the horses has its own equivalent with with people there's stress relaxation techniques there's a good solid community of people coming together there is a community outreach to include people so that um, they have a positive environment to um, to be a part of and we have a variety of of things that they can get involved with from um, from learning about how to work with the horses in a way that builds a bond of trust and respect mm -hmm. with that animal. There's a approach that we take that is more learning the language of Equus, how they communicate, mm -hmm. and it's very nonverbal. So the healing that comes about when a horse joins up with uh, a person or with a veteran or with their spouse or with their kid it's a very um it's a very spiritual and a very um deep connection because that horse doesn't have to be with you and when they choose to have you be their partner it has its own you know very um deep benefits and as it's an accomplishment it it really and truly is and that i think in terms of the work with the horses is probably the best thing that we can offer both the horses and the veterans is a partner that they can go do stuff with that they can have meaningful work to do together whether it's um you know going out and just going for a walk on the ranch or whether it's going on a ride or whether it's uh, working in the in the round pen together, there's always a purpose to the work that the veterans and their family have with the horses. So I think that's a great introduction, Derek. I'd like to bring you in at this point. You are a veteran, former airborne, fifth generation rancher and horseman. I loved reading these bios because I feel <laughs> like I'm being I'm the only person on the call today that's not in Texas. So I, I'm really feeling very left out right now. But I love the fact that you brought up, Beth, the meaningful work. One of the things that we know from working with veterans is that there needs to be connection, communication, and a sense of belonging, a purpose, as you put it. Derek, can you speak from the position of a veteran on what horses bring to the table in terms of learning programs and perspectives that heal? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think for me, from the, the veterans um, standpoint, um, I was able to find answers to some of the questions I had had about, you know, my service, um, what my path moving forward was after I had left military service. And I really found those answers by working with the horse. I was really able to drop some of the guards that I had um, allowed to work on myself because as you as you pair up or as you uh, hook on, as they say, with with the horse, and you really are 
kind of thinking and moving and working as one, you have to go within yourself to say, hey, if, if I'm wanting you to kind of work on your issues or you to, to hook up with me because of some of your bad or past traumatic experiences, I have to do the same thing within myself so that we can kind of be one and, you know, in the moment together. Um, and I think that that's one thing that this does when you work with the horse, because they really are a mirror to your soul, mm-hmm. is you have to be in the moment. So you can't be worrying about what happened to you in the past. You really have to kind of just come in with a clean slate when you step into that round pin or when you go to ride that horse and, and be there in the moment. And I think that provides relief for a lot of veterans because they can put aside all the stuff that's been weighing heavy on their shoulders and work with that animal in that moment. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And it's really the only way I can describe it. No, and I, I think that when I've done research on more formal equine therapy programs or these restoration-type projects, yours was one of the few that took horses that needed healing and paired them with veterans that needed healing. So you have this dual purpose that truly does have almost, as you put it, mirroring experiences And I've also read a great deal, tell me if I'm wrong, and this may be a good time to bring in Michael, because Michael has surmounted challenges personally after he became a paraplegic in his 20s. But he has become, I know you're going to not like this part, but I'll say it anyway, the horse whisperer in terms of knowing connection, recovery, being able to look at traumatic situations and surmount the challenges through the talking, the spiritual connection, as you mentioned, Derek. So, Michael, can you talk a bit about how this is a connection with a large animal that does build trust as certain hurdles are met and certain accomplishments are made? Well, Linda, first of all, I'd like to thank you for this opportunity. And um, it's it's always a pleasure to to be involved with with something that we're all collectively so passionate about, and that's helping the veterans and their families. You're but, very welcome. Thank you. As as Beth and Derek alluded to, you know, the horse is such an incredible animal, and the empathy that that they have for just kind of uh, being in tune with individuals that have gone through trauma, whether it is, you know, mentally, emotionally, in my case, physically, uh, how they can just come to the aid, if you will, of just the, the nurturing component that these, these fabulous animals can contribute to, to all of our lives. And from, from my perspective, uh, you know, it, it, growing up with horses, you know, I, I had a passion for them. I really thought that it was going to be, you know, my life's work. And then in, in, when I was 20, I got hurt in a, a devastating uh, accident where I rolled a Jeep and was crushed by it. And that left uh, damage to a whole array of, of different parts of my body. But one in particular was, was my spinal cord, which left paralysis with my lower extremities. And, you know, your first thought is, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I, I can't walk again and, you know, life's over or I'm, I'm depressed or, or, you know, a whole array of different emotions come about. And and really, for me, it was, well, you know, I, I can't walk anymore. 
or I can't walk like I used to do things like I used to. And I think the, the opportunity to get back to the horse allowed me the time to not look at things so much on a physical perspective, mm-hmm. but look at things on a, a mental, emotional, spiritual perspective that allowed me the time to develop the mindset to be able to work with these horses and them allowing me the time just to kind of figure things out. And, and like what Derek said is, is so profound is the fact that the horse mirrors, mirrors our energy, our language, our, our movement. Absolutely. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to cut you off. We're going on a short break, but we will be right back. You're listening to Military Network Radio. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Listen, something is brewing. The beautiful business evolution is coming. The way we do business is about to change for the better forever. This is real business at its very best. On Beautiful Business Radio, you will learn what it means to truly prosper, how to nourish yourself and your business, how to earn what you deserve and make a difference in the world. The tide is rising. The change is here. Discover a new way to live, love, and partner with yourself and your business on Philippa Rollins presents Beautiful Business Radio, where you matter and your business thrives every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. heard about the Seattle house that went up in flames after a chowder-headed tenant tried to flush out an eight-legged foe in his laundry room by setting it on fire using a lighter and spray paint. Whoops! Big miscabobble. Apparently, no one got hurt except perhaps a spider, but the rental home and its contents reportedly suffered $60,000 worth of damage. Neighbors scrambled to hose down their homes to keep the fire away. What's the word for a nearby house that is on fire? A eucalagon. Arachnophobia, or the fear of spiders, is pretty common. In case you're wondering what kind of nut job would actually try to kill a spider this way, this isn't the first case of this sort to occur. Why did the spider cross the road? To look for a new website, maybe? It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're here today talking about equine therapy and horses and healing. Michael, you were talking right before the break about how horses and people mirror each other's emotions and and where they are in time. And I think we interrupted you mid-thought. We were talking about recovery from traumatic situations. And you were, I'm going to allow you to just finish what you were going to say earlier, or we can go into a different topic if you'd like. That's that sounds great. No, I, you know, I think, you know, my, my trauma is, is very visible mm-hmm. and you see when I roll up that, you know, I've, I've 
had some sort of of an injury that affected my ability to be ambulatory. So, so it's kind of out front in in Mm -hmm. right in front of everybody, but, but nonetheless, it's, it's still trauma Mm -hmm. and it's, it's how you do uh, work through those, those traumatic experiences, the anxiety that comes with it, the, the, at times the depressiveness that just overwhelms you and emotions and so forth. And the beauty that I have found personally and that I have seen personally with the horse is, is the empathy mm-hmm. and how they just kind of seek you out. And I think Beth alluded to it, uh, you know, really beautifully in the respect that, you know, the horse is such an incredible gift uh, that we all are so blessed with. And when you take an animal that has sustained trauma themselves and put those entities together, it, it's amazing to see the transformation mm-hmm. of that that team, horse and human, start to come together. And and it just allows the opportunity, again, for myself, for example, and others, just to start to feel comfortable and feel like they're not being judged, they're not you know, people aren't staring at them. They're not, they're not on the spot, so to speak. They're just able to start to have a, a an open line of communication. And like Beth said, the, the language of Equus, where mm-hmm. they can share feelings. And, and I know every single time in the past almost 30 years that I've worked with horses from this perspective, I have always come away better than when I went in and that, that I think is, you know, transcending throughout what restoration ranch is all about and working with the horses that have sustained some trauma and even ones that haven't as we're starting Mm -hmm. horses for the first time, but to bring that entity of the horse and human together and to see them become one through a period of time, boy, it is, it is just it is just an incredible opportunity. I agree. And, and, and Beth, when you and yeah. I spoke, we talked about, in addition to helping veterans, what struck me as so wonderful an addition is that you also work with the families. And so there are lots of organizations that work with veterans, but there are much fewer that work with families and understand how the wholeness of a family and the connection between family members and again the connection with the horses in a natural environment can truly make a difference. I think we forget sometimes how much nature and breathing and outdoors is a gift and can truly take us away from our daily grind. Can you speak to that a bit? Absolutely Linda because You know, before we ever started this program, we took the time to go talk to a variety of veterans and ask them what they wanted. And honestly, um, in addition to what I spoke to before about meaningful work and giving back, you know, the beautiful thing that Micah was just talking about with the horses is providing an opportunity for them to come help us with our mission it takes the focus off of their own issues and that simple mental break they get from being out in the country 
being under the oak trees, being with a horse that's really the focus of the work that we're doing, but yet what they're learning about that horse's needs and their how they're dealing, it, it has human counterparts. It has human um, lessons as well that they can learn. Um, and so that's really um, more than anything else, that, that natural environment and being out in the country with their family, because it's not good enough that they have the experience and then go back and tell their wife and kids or husband and kids about it. When they're there and they can witness what's going on and they can experience it themselves, mm -hmm. wow. And then the family has a common purpose and they have a place they can go where they're not arguing about the bills or, you know, who's doing what to whom. It's all about working with those horses and helping the horses that day. And, you know, it's just simple as that. It's not rocket mm -hmm. science. You know, we're not splitting the atom. All we're doing <laughs> is providing a place for people to come be around their fellow veterans that have been part had the same experiences and help these horses. You know, it's interesting that um, in in people terms, you would sometimes call this wounded healers. Those who can help others best are those who understand what someone has gone through. It doesn't have to be the exact situation, um, but it is it is a wonderful healing process. Would you say, Derek, um, as you take a look at this program and what Beth just said, do you find also that it does help to follow the military ethos of always helping your fellow veteran. So in this case, you're helping both horses, you're helping veteran, you're helping your family members. Do you find that it adds to the camaraderie and the sense of purpose again? Absolutely. I think that one of the biggest things is a service member that you kind of lose when you leave, you know, your um, brothers in arms is that, you kind of lose that being part of something that's bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. So this apply, this kind of gives them the platform to kind of springboard back into that. And I think part of that is is that everyone experiences trauma differently. And, you know, 10 people could see, feel, react to an event and all come out of it with a varying array of potential mental and physical mm -hmm. injuries. And that's very hard to articulate to people who are not, you know, combat veterans. Mm -hmm. So for them to come out here they instantly have that camaraderie again because they can talk about certain things and feel safe about talking about those things. And then if they don't want to talk about it, we provide them a, a space to kind of begin their healing or continue their healing by working with the horse or by some people coming out here and saying, you know, I don't necessarily want to work with the horses every day, but I would love to come help, you know, uh, work on fences or help build, you know, another paddock to the barn or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. This allows everyone to kind of have something that they can be a part of out here. And that's the biggest thing that I've noticed about what we're doing is that we have all different types of horses from all different types of backgrounds, just like the military has people from all over the world and all over the country that come together for, for one purpose. And that's really just helping each other 
and providing a atmosphere where people can come and heal because in this day and age that we live in, that's everything that's out there is kind of feel like everything and everyone's against you, you know? Mm -hmm. So here you don't have to worry about that. That's you know, really I, the, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, well, okay. I was, I was just going to say that um, perhaps drawing Michael in, I, I believe that what you're also talking about is having a place where someone can be mindful. There are no other demands upon them. As you said, you stay present with the horse, you stay present with uh, either building a paddock or whatever the mission is for that day. But do you also find that it allows them a quiet space where no one is asking anything of them? There mm -hmm. is no judgment. There is no uh, time constraint, perhaps. Um, do you find that that atmosphere is one that allows people sometimes to stop and think about things they might not otherwise take the time to do. I absolutely oh, agree. And I think um, one thing that I know for a fact is I've witnessed other veterans and I've done myself is that when you step into a round pin or you step into a, um, an area with that horse is not only do you have to be present, but you have to focus on what they're telling you. And that really does give you an opportunity to um, push all those other thoughts that you may have or all those things that you may have just had an argument with your loved one or, you know, your boss was not being so nice to you, whatever it may be. You come into that and then when you're there with that, that animal, um, they're telling you what's, what's going on with you. They may have an ear pricked or they may be giving you a look like, hey, buddy, I... I don't know if I really want to hang out with you right now because you're pretty tense. So <laughs> you're able to kind of just lower your shoulders, take a deep breath and say, okay, you know, let's, let's do something together. And, you know, Michael, you can jump in any time, but you know, we've experienced this together, um, you know, by seeing that transformation with people. You know, we have about a minute, Michael, please take that minute and talk about this nonverbal communication that Derek just described very well, the lower the shoulders, et cetera. Well, you know, the horse is incredibly expressive if, if you can give yourself the time to be open to it. Mm -hmm. and, and I think likewise, you know, our, our mannerisms, the way we hold our shoulders, the way we might cross our arms, the way we nod our head or, or, or our appearance, you know, as far as looking uh, at somebody or at the horse. And the, the body language is... Um, very, very subtle at times. I mean, it's just little nuances of change, but you're looking for that, that softness, but maybe another word to, to describe it or words is the letdown mm -hmm. is like, oh, I, I don't have to be as scared. I don't have to be as braced. I don't have to have this wall up around me like I have in other areas or I've had in my life, such as going out in, in society or the integration back into society or taking the horse that's scared to go to a show back to a show. It, it's, it's helping them where they are, where we are right at that moment, not to, an hour before or an hour after right now. And, and I think in, in our fast paced society with all of the social media access that we have 24-7, it, it's hard to get in the now. And the, the beauty of what, you know, Beth and, and Derek and, and their 
just being so kind to me and, and allowing me to be Michael, I'm so this. sorry. I have to cut you off again. We're going on a short break. We'll be back right after these short messages. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Super Bowl will air in 180 countries. And with that infamous coin toss for one day, most people will toss out their New Year's resolutions to lose weight. The Super Bowl accounts for 7% of an entire year of chicken wing sales. 48 million Americans will opt for having food delivered with pizza franchises seeing their sales double on game day. Domino's alone looks forward to selling over 11 million pizzas on Super Bowl Sunday. What's the word for food that contains unknown ingredients. Acampucky. Americans will eat over 100 million pounds of guacamole and 8 million pounds of tortilla chips on game day. What's the word for those folks who call in sick the morning after a little too much indulgence? Arfarfanos. It's marching Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff. And find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're continuing our discussion with Derek Knapp and Michael Richardson about horses and healing and equine therapy. So let's talk first because one of you is a vet and one of you is not a veteran, but you've worked very closely together and you've been through a lot of the experiences and the emotions that come from injury, Michael. Talk to me about how the two of you have come to work together and what strengths you each bring to the veterans program. Well, I, I'd be honored. The, the thing that, that I see and that I've experienced over the years and particularly now working with Restoration Ranch and Beth and Derek is the fact that, yes, I, I'm not a veteran. Um, would I have been a veteran if I hadn't been hurt? Absolutely. Because I, I love this country and believe in, and what we all stand for, and <clears throat> but the, the the aspect of going through all of the injuries that I've sustained give me a, a little insight to be able to uh, share with people. Yeah, I, I'm not a veteran, but I know what it's like to to have lost something, to get up every morning with the struggles of just just life. 
and and the burdens of not only the physical perspective but the burdens that society puts on you or the effects of and mm-hmm. and the beauty with with working with Derek and the time that he and I have spent together it's it, it's just been a uh, incredible experience because you know Derek's got a big heart and he he really has a passion for horses and people and it uh it's been great how we can kind of support each other as we move forward in the endeavor of helping veterans and their families and it's it's just been an incredible uh, blessing to to be there and be involved and and I don't speak from the veterans component I just I speak from how the horses saved my life mm-hmm. and how they have helped me heal and continue to heal and my my passion is just to be able to contribute and give that back to the men and women in our armed services and their families and and teaming up with Derek has uh, allowed me to gain more insight and mm-hmm. then vice versa, hopefully help him. And we're all stronger as a team. I think the team part is important. And I think that's where you see the right. benefit from the military perspective is it's a team. It's a family. And Absolutely. we're going to be able to impact people more that way. Yeah, and I think one thing for me, Linda, is mm-hmm. that there's one word that just continues to come up as Michael and I are on this journey together to help as many veterans and horses as we can. And that word's trauma. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's um, such an apropos word because when you see Michael, his his injuries are, are very overt for the average person to see. Mm-hmm. But for a combat veteran, for the most part, and for horses, some of those traumatic um, memories and experiences that they've had are unspoken. Mm-hmm. And um, because of that, it takes a unique approach to helping pe- both the horse and the human deal with those things. Because when a horse is in the wild, they don't show any, any signs of weakness. Because if they do, then they can get ostracized from the herd. They can you know, be a target for predators. And it's a lot the same with a combat veteran. Speaking mm-hmm. for myself, you know, being an airborne ranger, you know, weakness is not really an option, which that made me always continue to push myself to the next level to be the best soldier I could be. Mm-hmm. But that also did not provide initially an atmosphere um, to where I could kind of speak about some things I was dealing with because it did show weakness. So those parallels are, are so um, incredible that as you try to kind of unwind your mind and allow those things to kind of surface, you see the same thing with the horse. And I think that's what's made this so successful is that. And I can tell you um, uh, one story about a veteran family that came here. They had a daughter who was really struggling. Uh, She was in her uh, mid-teens. She really couldn't um, really articulate to her family what was bothering her. She was very depressed, spent a lot of time in her room really didn't communicate with her family at all. And that family came out, and she was around horses for maybe 15 minutes, and you could see a change in her. Um, She opened up. She kind of couldn't stop talking, and her parents were just floored at how much she had changed. And what this opportunity gave them was to have the um, subject to talk about when they went home and Mm -hmm. to look forward to doing this together. And it gave her a new lease on life, and her grades got better, and they 
all sat at the dinner table and talked and she put away her phone and it just really made their all their lives brighter because of the one common subject they had and that one common thread was working with the horses. You know, so, I'm so glad you shared that story because I, I think I've heard um, probably a dozen stories that are similar in what you're saying where people were harmed inside, traumatized from whatever the situation might be, and were not able to talk to humans and didn't want to open up and, and didn't see that anyone would understand. But put with a large animal, with the empathy that you already have referenced and the invisible injuries that you're, you're talking about, many have said that and I think, Michael, this is what you do a lot in your work with uh, the animals, that there is this connection that you form that sometimes is without words, but it is with the the touch, the feel, the, um, the enormity of the animal and the measurable comparative smallness of the person. And somehow yeah. it all comes together to make each of them feel stronger by what one is giving the other. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think you, you, it, it couldn't have been said any better, Linda. It, the, the opportunity that the horse has to making that connection and breaking some of the barriers that we put around ourselves because of trauma, physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever it may be, mental, it, it, it's still trauma. Mm-hmm. And like Derek said very eloquently, you know, mine is up front and out there. But because of that, I, I see that people that do have the physical um, perspective that's similar of mine, maybe a double amputee, single amputee, whatever it may be, there's still that emotional mental component. And the horse gives us the time to just breathe and, and start to let down some of those barriers. That is such a beautiful thing to see and that transformation that starts to manifest. And, and like what Derek said is, is, you know, there's a lot of times people don't want to talk about it, but the horse, because of their empathy, because of the, the gift that they bring in these or to these relationships allows the human component to just kind of take a nice deep breath mm-hmm. and say to themselves, whether they realize it consciously or subconsciously, I, th- I think it's going to be okay. And that that's a beautiful thing. And the more we can put it out there and continue to increase that awareness, it's just going to get better and better all the time for the horse and for the family members and the veterans. Now, we have a short time before we go into another one of our breaks because the time is just flying by. But what is the process that follows when a veteran wants to come to the ranch and to spend time with a family member? Uh, Typically, what will happen is we have an application process online. Mm-hmm. and they fill out that application, put in their experience, um, what they would like to get out of the program. And uh, what we normally do is we assess that you know, application, um, what would be best suited for them, what horse we could pair them up with, and then what would be a better program for them to be a part of, whether it's mm-hmm. a group, one-on-one. And then we set that up, that session, um, depending on when they're available. And then we normally will run them through um, an opportunity to do some groundwork with the horses. 
mm-hmm. uh, show them some holistic body work to really show how we're able to connect with the horse and kind of find where they may have some um, tension or areas of their body that just like all of us, we've got aches and pains and so do they. Um, and then we'll start out with, you know, kind of grooming them so they can kind of center themselves with the horse, make sure they're in a good space. And then as we kind of go along and, and assess the, um, the veteran, where they are with what kind of connections they're wanting to make with the horse, then we'll see if they would be interested in possibly um, kind of furthering their um, education and their experiences by maybe taking them on trail rides or doing things of that nature. Um, because what I've noticed is not every not every person that comes out here has a passion for horses in the sense that they just want to spend 24-7 with them and go ride them and read everything they can online and things like that about horses. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it allows them to kind of peel back those layers of the proverbial onion to address some things. And then they want to just kind of come out here to be more of a social thing. And so that's that's the great thing about this is that we we kind of tailor each one of these veterans um, experiences really to what benefits them best, whether they're a a single, single veteran or have a family or they have children, we kind of can hone it to, to whatever we need. So that's kind of the process in a nutshell. So it's a pairing of the horse and the veteran is most of the work. Um, initially, is it introductory? Because I've heard many of these programs, Riding is not the end result. Oftentimes it's the time spent with the horses, as you talked about earlier. It's, you know, sometimes it's the time spent, the body work. Mm-hmm. Um, is that connection needed first before you go on next? What are the, some of the things you're looking for as you're walking someone through this process toward what they're hey. looking for? Um, what, what we look for, um, and Michael, you can chime in any time, is really to uh, make sure that they're centered and connected with the horse and the horse is connected with them. And okay. a lot of times we can kind of see that in the round pen, or I can even know to pick that up if we're grooming the horse or we're working with the horse before we even step in the round pen is the horse's body language is their unspoken communication telling me or telling Michael that this horse is really in a good place to be with the person. Mm-hmm. And then if not, we kind of can, you know, reevaluate what we need to do there as far as getting him to the, um, point where they can connect um and some it's a simple thing of like i said before the person is tense they're walking around like a robot and the horse picks up on that and says man i look like feels like this person's about to jump on my back at any time (laughs) just like they're a a cougar ready to spring and strike so we have to kind of communicate to them to that individual how much their overt body language affects the horse and a lot of it's just you know subconscious so as we work through that that helps that person really get to the point where they can uh, be successful working with the horse. Perfect time for a break. We're going on a short one. We'll be right back. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life. It's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. 
Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the million-dollar mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the million-dollar mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. study finds the happiest couples sleep the closest together, as in less than an inch apart. A survey of 1,000 couples found that 86% of those who kept such close perimeters reported they were satisfied with their relationship. Only 66% of couples who slept 30 inches apart or more reported being completely happy in their marriage. What's the word for getting up on the wrong side of the bed? Metutalipia. Another predictor of relationship happiness is touch. While 94% of couples who made physical contact throughout the night reported a happy relationship, just 68% of couples who kept their distance did the same. What's the word for the semi-conscious state between sleep and wakefulness? Hypnopompic. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're continuing our discussion with Derek Knapp and Michael Richardson of the Joyful Horse Ranch and the Restoration Ranch Program for veterans. I I think what comes to mind, we were talking about on the break, was if I'm a veteran or a veteran family member, because often it's the family members searching out an answer that just hasn't been met by what we'll call traditional means. What are some of the things that um, you use to alleviate concerns that people may have? Because if I'll give you an example, several of the veterans I've worked with, their caregivers will say, I I don't, I can't get him interested in something else. Or she went through MST and is just not willing to talk to anyone. What are some of the things that you can do as you welcome someone new, a new veteran or their family members into the program to surmount hurdles and answer questions up front? Because I think people want to know um, as much as possible, what they're getting into, especially if they've been through a traumatic event. Either yeah. one of you can take that. Yeah, 99% of the time, um, I like to talk to the person over the phone. Mm-hmm. I, I find that it's the, the least intrusive on that person. And then typically I try to just let them talk about what, what they've been dealing with, if they're willing to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Or if not, then maybe what their concerns would be just trying out the program. And like I was talking to um, earlier before we went to the break, we can mm-hmm. tailor the situation to whatever they're the most comfortable with. So if that may be coming out with a group of people or coming out with their family or sometimes it may be coming on a, a weekday when it's just myself and maybe one of the other um, you know, uh, members of the board or something like that to come out and show them what we can offer and then kind of see if, if what we have going on here really is something they would be interested in. Um, and I go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to well, say, I think one of the biggest pieces when someone's been involved in, with trauma is trust. Exactly. And so I think yeah. that they have to yeah. somehow feel that this is trustworthy, that these mm-hmm. people get it. Mm-hmm. And um, trust is earned, as you know. Yeah. So maybe you guys can well, elaborate it, on that. You know, and I, I think that that is a, a wonderful point uh, in and of itself, uh, Linda. The, the fact is, is what what I see more times than not is is the unverbal communication than connection. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's we don't have to talk. We'll we'll just work together. We might groom the horse. We might just be leading the horse uh, from one pasture to the other. It's just the 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 value of being there. Mm-hmm. And so many times we put so much empathy um, um, on the, the verbal aspect of communication, not the visual or the just being near somebody or, or working next to somebody. And, and that's the thing that I think also, along with what has all been shared here, is is important to realize is it's we don't have to talk. If you want to talk, great. I'd be more than happy to listen. If if you want to ask questions, wonderful. If not, we're just going to be in the moment together. And and I think that is is something that the horse provides in such an incredible manner because the horse doesn't come in prejudging. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're you've been hurt, uh, or you're in a chair, or you have crutches, or you have a, a prosthetic. None of that. They're looking at your heart and your mind. And once we get to the point where we can get to the perspective, if you will, of being able to pick that up and start to mirror that, mm-hmm. then you start to maybe seeing things where maybe they'll ask a question. Maybe they'll say, you know, one time when I was doing something in the military, I experienced this. Is there some similarities? More times than not, there probably is from the perspective of what the horse is telling us as they might be braced and saying, you're holding on to something. You just kind of got to let it, let it start to let it go, leave it at the gate. I want to help because really the, the, the horse is the best teacher, the best therapist that we have mm-hmm. going within these you know, programs. It comes to mind that the horse itself, I'm wondering if sometimes your veterans find it much easier to say what happened to this horse and use yeah, that yeah. story as an opener. Does that happen? Yeah. And I, and what I'll say here is that, um, you know, I'll openly admit I'm a a type personality guy and, you know, being a former infantryman, I, I wanted always things to be very dress, right dress and let's just go and get it done. And, and the one advantage I had of kind of dealing with, you know, my experiences was I had the benefit of knowing what, or how incredible a connection is with the horse from my background and growing up here in Texas in a ranching family. Mm-hmm. So that was the one thing I had in my, you know, ace in, ace in the hole that I could call upon that other veterans didn't. And so sometimes getting them to trust or getting them to come in is, is by me just telling my story and kind of how I got to here. And that becomes a great icebreaker. And at the same time with what Michael was talking about is, you know, with the experiences that, that people have had, how do we kind of bring them into um, the fold with the experiences of not maybe having to 
have that verbal communication. But what we try to do is tell the story of the horse and let them know what happened to them and how they got here. And many times the humans have failed that horse. The horse has done nothing of their own merit, but the humans have failed them. And a lot of times people or veterans feel that someone somewhere along the way has maybe let them down or they let somebody down. And how do you deal with that? And that is a great icebreaker by explaining, you know, what that horse went through. And a lot of times that horse has made an tr- uh, incredible recovery because we got out of the way and let them show us what they needed. And that's really what we try to do with the veteran also. Uh, we kind of set it up and we're really the conduit. We just kind of set it up and allow them to be successful. And how do we give them the tools to empower them to take their recovery to the next level? So Michael? that's really what we try to do. Michael, you know, what el- eloquent, well, eloquently put, and, and I think that it is it is very very true what uh, Derek just alluded to. It's it's just providing that opportunity for for the horse and the human within that moment to start to make make a change. Mm-hmm. And the, the the fact that when I roll in the pen, you know, the, the horse isn't looking at me saying, oh. There's a guy in a wheelchair. He's looking at me saying, hmm, I wonder what he's going to do. <laughs> and and if we can right. be mindful of that, we start to put some of that other stuff that overwhelmed us maybe going in to the pen, and we can just start setting that slowly and never bit more and more to the side and, and pick up what the horse is sharing and then mirror that and let the horse know that we're good with them they're good with us and we're starting to build that bond and you know it, it's it's an incredible thing and, and it's like everywhere i go people want to look and, and i say to myself well give them something to look at <laughs> and and the reality of it is is that that goes on daily so that transfers to some of the the empathy that i have for the veterans and their family members is, is, is they kind of get that in the process of that you you start to put barriers up to protect yourself with this program and what we're trying to do collectively. It's not us. It's God has given us this this time, this opportunity to come together and share, Mm -hmm. but it's to make a difference in the horse's life, the veterans lives and their family members. And it's a, it's a, just incredibly beautiful thing. Beautifully put. I wonder if you can address the fact that some combat veterans, instead of being passive, quiet, and isolated, are the opposite. They have anger issues. Do you find that anger and, and bursts of communication drain away when they're around animals? Do the animals tend to bring out the fact that they don't they didn't deserve what they got, but neither did the veteran in most cases. There is no judgment. There's no embarrassment. There's no pressure. Does it help relieve the pressure cooker that some veterans feel? Yeah, what I, I'd like to do here, Linda, is just tell a story about one of the horses that we have in the program. Okay. Um, his name is uh, Continuum. That's his registered name. Um, he's what we call an off-the-track thoroughbred who actually raced for over nine years. And we affectionately call him Champ just because of him racing over 85 times um, in his career, which is just virtually unheard of. And, you know, 
you know, winning, you know, first, second or third, as we call win, place or show. And mm-hmm. over 50% of those races is just an incredible feat. And if you think about the miles that that horse traveled because of the human took them to races in, you know, the Northeast and to um, the Northwest and to the South and all of those things. And he did it because he was a warrior and he had a passion for racing. Mm-hmm. And when we found him after he had been retired, we found him in a dry lot in West Texas, ready to be shipped off for, um, you know, to slaughter in Mexico. And we mm-hmm. purchased him for a, you know, price of $400. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, when that horse was originally purchased at auction um, as a yearling, he was purchased for over $500,000. So if you think about what his path was when he was at the prime of his life and then when he was retired, he should have been retired with honors. He should have been given a big, huge green pasture to live his days, but he was forgotten about. And we found him in his, in his story. I try to tell to everybody because it is so indicative of how a combat veteran feels, where they served um, selflessly. They had a passion for what they did. They did what they did because they knew it was the right thing to do. And then they leave their service and feel sometimes like they're forgotten about that they don't have any relevance. And because of what we've done with Champ and told his story, he's got a Facebook fan page with over 2,000 followers, <sighs> that all veterans should feel that same level of importance. I love it. Um, let's make sure our listeners know how to find out more information. So where do they call or where do they go on the Internet? They can email us at vets, V-E-T-S, at joyfulhorseproject.org, or they okay. can go to the website, joyfulhorseproject.org, and click on the um, the actual uh, vets page, the veterans program page. You know, yes. I need to thank you both, and for Beth who had left at the halfway mark. I am so grateful that you came on and talked about this. This is a program that has helped so many veterans and their family members, and there is a wonderful connection between. Uh, veteran and animal and and the like experiences that they have all had so thank you Derek for coming on and Michael to you as well with your unusual connections and we will put up their backgrounds when we put the article up for the program and we thank you so much for the time spent today it is an important thing to have connection communication and a sense of belonging and purpose and to do it through these magnificent animals is very special Thank you, thank so you much. Linda. You're very Absolutely. welcome. Thank you, Linda. And we'll talk Take to you care. next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com. And in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance your